Okay, it's recording. How do you want to do the intro? I don't want to, like, introduce myself. I don't want to be like, and I'm Chris. Yeah, and I'm Alexander. I don't want to do the thing where I'm like, so, Chris, how's it going today? And you're like, hey, Alexander, because that also seems fake. Yeah, but it's like, I don't want to be pretending like we're in second grade introducing ourselves in class, so I don't really know how we're going to... I mean, I feel like it can just be, I'm Chris. I mean, yeah, shit. <laughs> You're Chris. I'm Alexander. On this podcast, we talk about TNG and other stuff. Boom. Engage. What? You know, engage, like Picard says. Make it Don't so. Say engage. <laughs> engage. Okay. I'd never know what episode number it is. 11? Don't worry, I got you. That's your job. Uh, the big goodbye, working title, The Bug Goodbye, which we've decided is kind of cheesy. Lame. Because <laughs> <Is that> even... <laughs> the holodeck was buggy? <clears throat> yeah, there's multiple meanings. That and also the race that they were going to meet was um, an insect race. Are they? We didn't see them. Yeah, they said they're an insect. They're insect-ish race. There's oh, one... okay. Because there's one line when... Uh, Dan and Troy says, that is the insect mind, sir, or something like that, which I thought was racist um, against bug people. But <laughs> yeah, so anyway, okay, so we'll do a quick synopsis. I guess, do you want to do it? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so there's this race of beings that uh, we're supposed to make contact with and finally uh what what would you call it like in terms of bri- like bridging the the uh, i think they've, they've already made contact with them they're just like doing classic diplomatic engagement with them yeah right? but but yeah but it's it's like repairing the relationship between so, dipl- this race. diplomatic salvaging yeah yeah Maybe. yeah um exactly and so it's been like 20 years since uh starfleet has had like any meaningful communication with this race right something like that oh really wow yeah i must have been spacing out at the beginning of this episode because i was did not know that that was yeah. part of it yeah because they said that the last time they tried to uh, make any sort of diplomatic engagement. It went badly. They, they offended them, right? Yeah, because they're so easily offended uh, to the point that any slight mispronunciation in their language in the in uh, the um, like intro that they're doing, right? That's a huge offense to them. Last time they broke off right. communications. Okay, so yeah, they're in so, route. So the car's responsibility. It's Picard's responsibility to perfect his uh, introduction to this race of beings um, in their language. And meanwhile, he's uh, he's exploring the world of uh, Dixon. This uh, Dixon Hill. Dixon Hill. Yeah, this this fictional uh, detective in the holodeck. Um, yeah, nineteen forties era fictional detective gumshoe type um 
Yeah, and so that whole subplot, I mean, it ended up being the A plot of the episode. <laughs> the holodeck got an update, and Deanna Troy suggests that because he's stressed about this diplomatic uh, thing that he has to do, she's like, why don't you go, you know, test out the holodeck like you've been wanting? Yeah, and so his thing is this detective guy, Dixon Hill. And uh, <laughs> so it ended up being a goofy episode. Um, and so then they, uh, the holodeck malfunctions, of course, and then they get trapped temporarily in the holodeck. It becomes but real, then, the line right, between the game <laughs> and the, the reality becomes real. Right. Potentially life-threatening, yeah. Potentially life-threatening consequences with mobsters. Can physically Cy- harm you. Cyrus Red Block, the big yeah. antagonist. Who would have seen that coming? That the holodeck, which can create physical objects, if something goes wrong, it could harm you. I never would have thought that was possible. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically the plot of the episode. Yep. So and then they, I mean, then they get out, of course, and then at the last second, Picard does his. He runs out onto the to the bridge and does his. Uh, wearing a nineteen forties suit. Wearing a nineteen forties detective outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually found a clip of how it sounds. I'm going to play it because it's hard to really mimic it. You can hear. This is Jean-Luc Picard, captain of the Enterprise. Here comes Data. Okay, so that's uh, that's the iconic <laughs> and then, scene. And then everybody clapped. <laughs> standing ovation. Yeah, literally. Literally standing ovation for that. And, you know, it would be hard to take yourself... I, what I wrote during that scene, and I guess we can just get right into it, is like, it must have been so hard for him not to laugh during that. <laughs> You know, I, I said props to him for not just cracking up. Like, I wonder how many takes they had to do for that shit. Yeah, and everybody on set too, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. Like, Nobody, no boom guy is just like cracking up or like, Dana Troy. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was already a goofy episode. And then the finale was the goofiest part. <laughs> And I kind of like that scene because it was like he was actually doing... It just seems ridiculous. And I think diplomacy sometimes is a little bit ridiculous. You have to do dumb stuff. Yeah. I guess I might have been wrong. Or maybe they don't know their own rules. But, like, I understood that the transponders that they have on their sort of vest things... um, Their vest, their uniforms... uh, Were, like, universal translators... Yeah, so they wouldn't need to do this ever. Speak. Yeah, that's pro- that's what I understood. Actually, I thought that that was. I thought that was a thing in Star Trek as well. Like, I didn't think that Worf was actually speaking English. I thought that he was speaking Klingon 
and that like everybody was speaking their own languages like it doesn't make sense so the Ferengi are speaking English like there's a little bit of confusion yeah. there because they're yeah it made more sense to think that everyone was just wearing a universal translator rather than you would actually have to learn all these languages language. yeah maybe it's just like a customary greeting but if that's the case, then why? I don't know. Because there's one part where they talk to this alien race via, you know, non-FaceTime, just phone call. And they're like, we will use your language for now. And it's like, why not just use... I didn't even realize that we were speaking in English. It was kind of one of those things where it's like, you're. it's a movie that takes place in Germany in 1940. You're just assuming that everyone's speaking German, but that it's in English. You know what I mean? Right. So that part was kind of like the whole premise of all of the drama. I was like, huh, this kind of contradicts pretty much every other interaction that we've seen with other alien races where it's like you, you encounter a race for the first time and they're like, hi, how are you? <laughs> and there's no mention of like, we've never heard their language before. Like the transponder needs a minute to like understand their database. Like, no. Right. So also <clears throat> that's all it took to repair relations from a, tw a 20 year hiatus of speaking to each other i guess that's all it took <laughs> it was pretty serious he, he seemed to have nailed it it was very hard to tell but right um yeah so i guess we can just go down our list or the list of stuff um let's see yeah that's the, the first note that i have is i guess what's confusing for me is that aren't they universal translators like that was seems dumb to me and then he says, Captain's Log. So he, oh, so he talks to Deanna Troy. She's like, yeah, maybe you should take a load off. I was like, really? Now? Shouldn't he be practicing? Like, <laughs> Don't you have a language to learn? Yeah. And he's like, no, you should take a load <laughs> off. Like, we'll be there in 20 minutes. It's like, uh, okay. Can't you do yeah. it after or any other time? <laughs> right. Um, then it's, he's like, Captain's Log. I've decided to go to the holodeck and try out this new like Dixon Hill I was like does he narrate everything into the captain's log that doesn't seem like something necessary I, I wrote a sample one like captain's log data is so annoying <laughs> he's like just narrating his thoughts and then I, then I started thinking like who's the captain's log for is it just for him is it like his own personal journal or is it like required as a captain to kind of detail what's going on right I think it's just probably best practice for posterity yeah that makes sense i mean because when Riker takes over every time he's like supplemental you know whatever his name is right commander Riker's captain's log that's how this episode starts um whatever that's a nitpick but that's what this is about that's what we're here for why are you fucking captain's logging your time at the holodeck um so then he goes in to the, it's like this 1940s detective office and there's a lot of sort of weird like baseline sexism from the 1940s, right? Like a nice broad came in, there's a she lot has of, good uh, legs. Yeah, there's a lot of broad and toots and sweetheart and <laughs> yeah, all that. And, and she's like, yeah, so he has like some assistant who for some reason is leaving when he comes in. Dame. 
<laughs> dame. So, that's my favorite one. Some dame. <laughs> Beautiful dame over there. I like toots. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that offensive? Because I feel like that's a, a term that I might start using again. Um, toots? Yeah. yeah. Hey, toots. It's... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you'll get shut down pretty quick. What probably. the fuck is wrong with you? How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Fucking misogynist. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't know what toots means. I'm so sorry. I just watched Star Trek. Um, <laughs> so he comes in. There's this woman who's like this femme fatale. And she's like, someone's trying to kill me. And then she kisses him. And then he goes, he leaves the holodeck because he's wearing his jumpsuit and everyone's commenting on it. And he has, like, lipstick on his lips. And I was like, I'm so confused. What is yeah, real? Have, what is not real? Disappeared as soon as he left the holodeck? According to the the rules that they make later on at the end of the episode, yes. Right. <laughs> I, I was like, what's real? <laughs> They've created yeah. false life that they just kill every time they shut off the holodeck. It's like the sort of Westworld uh, problem, inherent problem. Not yeah. with the show, maybe partially with the show. It's like, okay, either they are not human or they are, right? Either it's yeah. real or it isn't. Or there's very clear rules, right? I, I don't think it would be that hard to say, like, the holodeck, it feels real, but it's not. And it, and it leaves, because later on um, in Voyager, they have the doctor who's a holographic doctor. And the reason that he's able to move around is because he has, like, a holographic projector that beams him you know mobily right yeah whereas like in this episode like at the end the two villains uh cypress the fuck is his name cypress red block and this caricature italian guy (laughs) something leech go out into the hallway outside of the holodeck and then disappear and i was like wait a second I thought they were just going to disappear as soon as they tried to leave the holodeck, which would have made much more sense. But, yeah, I don't Yeah, know. like, why is there a time delay between... Why why do they have a short window of time where they can actually exit and experience... The real, the real world? world. Yeah. yeah. Very confusing. Like, if they had sprinted out of the holodeck, like, how much, <laughs> how much could they have seen and taken in before, you know, like... Is no, it doesn't, that, of time? that doesn't even make sense. They don't exist. It'd be like you're watching a TV show, and then all of a sudden it's outside of your computer for like a second. It doesn't exist outside of that. How the fuck right. did they even end up in the hallway? That part was so confusing. I was like, what? <sighs> Whatever. That was dumb. They, they're still figuring it out because they have it pretty styled in with like the doctor. Like no other holograms. He has this little chip that he puts on himself that makes him be able to move around, right? And some sometimes there's other holograms that take it and they become sort of able to exist in the physical world, right? But, yeah, it's like, okay, so are they real? Are they not? What the fuck? Um, yeah, there's not a very clear set of rules with the holodeck. Much like much like the transporters. There's, oh, yeah. They have this amazing, te- amazing technology and they really haven't give us like a clear set of limitations that it can do this but not this yeah i mean and i get it it's like okay they want to just it it to be able deus ex machina in so many ways that it is it is a machine that can do anything like god in some ways right 
um, all of these machines, but it's like, I think it's actually more meaningful. It would be like for a narrative tension or something. It's like, that's kind of what I thought they were building towards with like at the end, they're like, oh, you know, go on then, go see our ship to these two guys that are kind of holding them hostage. And then they run into the hallway and they disappear. That's what I was thinking was gonna happen. And that's essentially what happened. But the, the leap that they took was dumb. And it's like, if you know, as a viewer, they cannot exist outside of the holodeck, then it, then it, and then you're like, oh, you know what the plan is. You're in on, on the plan without them having to actually spell it out for you, you know? So that was super confusing why they didn't do that because that seemed to be what they were building towards, right? Right. Um, whatever. Okay, so I'm also, one thing that's interesting to me is that I'm editing, I wrote a detective novel a couple of years ago and I'm currently editing it. And the beginning of the of my novel starts very similarly with a woman appearing very sul sultry and being like, there's someone trying to kill me. And I put it in there because I think it's like so such a cliche. I was like, you know, trying to subvert some genre tropes. And of course, that's what they did here. But I don't know if it was in the vein of subversion. Maybe it's because it's based on like these pulp things. And like even within the, the sort of canon of Star Trek, they were saying like Dixon Hill is like is a famous detective that they all know about. Right. So I thought that was kind of funny and cool that they were playing into the tropes. Yeah, I mean, it was necessary to play into the trope here because they weren't writing a detective story. They were inserting a detective story into the Star Trek universe. And so, you know, if they were going to try to write an original detective story, it would have overcomplicated the plot. What they had to do was just give us something that we expected from a detective story. And the, the originality came from the fact that, that they were blending that mm -hmm. with star trek yeah so it was not it was unnecessary to like try to be original in the genre of detective stories you know what i mean it was no just... it was good yeah it was cool that they were subverting tropes in their own way where it's like there the, it was a very meta episode in that there was stuff going on but then there were these characters that were elevated outside of the material of the detective novel itself they're like oh i know this character there's one character in this episode that i thought was very much of, uh, it was such a stupid choice. This guy, he's a, his name was Waylon, fiction yeah. expert on the ship. That's what they called him. I was like, first of all, is that his job? Like he, that, that's his job at Starfleet. He's a fiction right. expert. Also, Data read three hundred books in two minutes. Why would they not use him? Right. I was like this, and I, I literally have a, I have a note that says. There we go. Um, oh, wait, no, that was after what I, I basically just said, like, what is the point of the fiction expert unless he's going to get shot or die? <laughs> My note, then it, the next note is, there we go. It makes sense yeah. why he was in this episode. But still, it actually isn't as cool. Why not shoot somebody that we care about? Like, Beverly was there. So the episode is Picard, Data, and Beverly, and the fiction expert are in this world and trapped because some sort of probe from this bug species traps them in the holodeck, right? And it's like, okay. So Beverly is there to be his love interest, kind of, and to have a couple wacky hijinks. Data's there, you know, because he's great and because it, it's fun to see him. Everyone, he keeps saying like, oh, he's from South America, <laughs> you know? Right. There's one good line where he says, I was created on a planet, South America. <laughs> like people keep being like, well, where are you from? Um, 
Come on, he's, got, he's got a nice tan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a, see, that's the thing that's interesting about Westworld, right? Is like, um, they, as far as I understand it, are programmed to like ignore those sort of glitches. They wouldn't ask, like, yeah. where are you from, right? So it makes sense that they would do that in the holodeck as well. It's like they wouldn't stand out. Right. They should be able to wear their Starfleet uniforms in the holodeck and not be like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, what is that outfit? You know? Yeah. You look like you're from outer space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Say, you look, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, right. and I'm pretty sure that they actually do that later on, right? They're like in, in, other holodeck things wearing their uniforms being treated as if they're just like normal characters within that world that that comes to another nitpick where it's like so picard i thought he was just gonna be like holodeck like give me you know a period appropriate clothes or whatever right, right? but instead he like leaves the holodeck to go put on his 1940s suit actual real clothes <laughs> yeah. that he right. has in his room or he is and, making in his room with with the whatever it is. And they have a bunch of they have enough extra costumes for for Beverly and Waylon and Data to all have a full outfit. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. Appropriate appropriate for 1940s San Francisco. Yeah, and if they don't if they don't then it's like okay, it makes sense that they would just be making it in their little like whatever they're called, right? Yeah. The thing that makes everything. I can't remember what it is, but like, okay, so that that to me is what the holodeck is, kind of. So why would they not just have them make the clothes? Of, it's just like, oh my God, that was stupid. I feel like they only did that so that at the end of the episode, he could come out wearing that suit and talk to them. Like, I don't know. I do one positive though is that I love. I think Brent Spiner is so, or Brett Spiner is that his name, Brett or Brent, anyway. Brett. Brett, he's fucking awesome. He's such a great actor. Like I feel like he's kind. Of, he's an iconic character. Data is such an iconic character that sometimes I forget how awesome he is. But there's this one scene where he's like, and how good of an actor he is. There's one scene where he's reading all about Dixon Hill, right? Because he's interested. He's like, what is this? What you know? What's what's the history of this? which is so true to his character. And then he's like reading, it's like this computer's like, Dixon Hill was a blah, blah, you know, pulp pulp magazine detective novel starting in 1940 blank, right? And he's like yeah. a little bit faster. And then it shows the screen that he's looking at and there's like a million books like going back. And, and he doesn't even blink and he has those color contacts in and he just looks like what an Android would look like when they're like processing information like that, you know? Yeah, so, why didn't they just, yeah. Uh, the fact that they didn't just go, well, it'll be way easier just to have Data educate himself. Yeah. And then take him. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, the only, re I was like, this this fiction expert is a red shirt in disguise. You right, know? right. And then he died, or he gets shot, and they, we don't even hear about if he's dead or not. I'm, I'm sure we're never going to see him again. But I was like, okay. Yeah, like, at the end of the episode, you expect, like, a... Oh, by the way, Waylon's okay, and maybe he, like, walks onto the bridge and's like, hey, I'm, I'm okay, everybody. Yeah, but, he's like bandaged know, up and has his arm around Beverly. He's like, yeah, he's giving him a round of applause too. Right. By the way, it, it is Brent. Oh, Brent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I also, they kept so they kept mentioning like, where's Data from? He looks weird. 
and I was thinking it would have been great if Beverly ended up getting shot or if Data ended up getting shot and he's like bleeding green blood or something and they're like, oh, what's wrong with him? Like green blood. And they're like, that's what South Americans do or like some, some funny like riff on that. So there's a good classic wharf line in this episode. Um, there's this very bizarre scene where they're having a staff meeting in the whatever room, the staff meeting room. And Picard's like talking about his his holodeck experience to everybody. And I was like, did he just call a staff meeting to talk about his holodeck experience and then flirt with Beverly? Yeah. <laughs> and then he's right. like This is not this is not official Starfleet business. You're kind of wasting everyone's time. Super wasting it. I'm I'm like, why did they set the pr- it's like, how about the episode is this? They're like, we ha- are waiting for orders from Starfleet and are literally just floating around in space and have nothing to do. So we're going to test out the new holodeck. Then it makes sense. But they're like, we have a very vital diplomatic mission to go fulfill. And so now he's going to waste his time and waste their time. Like, Shouldn't you guys be preparing for that? <laughs> yeah, and, he, and Data's like, sure, sir, do you want to watch again like the video of uh, you know, how badly it went last time? He's like, no, Data, there's, that's not necessary. And it's like, why? can't you not be prepared what crew is this and what's funny is that like i feel like people that love star trek are always like picard is such a you know stickler for the rules and i'm like he just called a staff meeting to talk about his holodeck experience it's like listening to your boss talk about his vacation you're like i don't give a fuck about this like and then what was it what was the word that Worf didn't know oh yeah he's like he's like i looked out the window and i saw automobiles and and Worf is like (laughs) automobiles i was like get that paycheck wharf i guess <laughs> you know I mean? he had a line you got to pay him the you know non-extra amount yeah i want to i want a scene where they really like lean into wharf not knowing any anything about human culture at all and like <laughs> yeah like every other word he's like what's that like like yeah. i want it you know like when he when uh, picard was like and then she kissed me on the cheek and he's like cheek yeah that would be hilarious yeah and then yeah she got her lipstick on me lipstick yeah literally just endless until it's like very obvious that he's or that he's joking that would be a cool character moment for him where he's joking about the fact that he knows nothing right and then she asked me to sit down in the chair 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 Worf, you're sitting in a chair right now Worf. <laughs> And then he realized, <laughs> yeah. Then he has a giant alien succubus on the back of his head. They're like, "Oh, how did this get through the transporter that we supposedly have protocols for?" He's a he's possessed by an alien entity that's sucking all of his knowledge. Yeah, that would be a great moment. Like you know, it's like, "Daddy, what is a star?" It's like, it's a you know. I mean, I don't even really know how I would describe a star, but like. <laughs> Nice that's embarrassing. that's embarrassing <laughs> uh, uh, something like trying to be super simple like it's a, it's light in space and they're like what's space that kind of shit but for wharf like automobiles you know driving on the road road right, yeah. you know it burns gasoline gasoline <laughs> yeah, but then he doesn't actually he doesn't <laughs> ask about the stuff that you would expect him to right it burns gasoline burns <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah. <It? laughs> yeah exactly yeah um 
And then also, like, they still don't really know what to do with Worf or Jordy, because there was a couple times where Jordy just, like, says something sassy. Right. He's, like, walking down the hallway with Data, and he's like, oh, you know, Dixon Hill, the classic American, um, you know, detective. Which would be, like, us, like, colloquially talking about something from, like, the 1200s. Not like, or even earlier, right? <laughs> like, the Kantos, like, we always talk about. We have this ongoing joke about, like, oh, you don't know the Kantos? you peasant, right? That's kind of what Jordy's doing with data. He's like, oh, it, indubitably, right? And it's just like, uh, you know, they needed him to do something. And then when he actually does have something to do that would hit, that his job would sort of require, Wes does it for him. There's another scene later on. In, so, okay, I have a note here. Uh-oh, holodeck malfunction, classic. I was like, did, is there ever a time that the holodeck doesn't malfunction? Um, I feel like they have more malfunctions than they have not like regular functioning. So there's so they it gets zapped with this little, you know, CGI probe thing, and uh, uh, Jordy and Riker go to look at the holodeck, right, and they're. And Wes is like, I've studied the maps of the holodeck very extensively. Like, should I come with you? And, and Riker's like, no. You know. <laughs> and then, and then, and then uh, someone says, Damn yeah, but his, right. mom, his mom's stuck in there too. <laughs> and then Riker goes, okay, come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, it's going to be because his mom's stuck in there? Not because he's a genius that literally fixes every problem you put him in front of? Right. <laughs> I was like, they need to just accept that he can fix every problem. And then they're like down there, and like Jordy's deferring to Wes. He's like, right. the Ensign, whatever the fuck his name is. Let me have Ensign Crusher explain this to you. Why? Do you not know what he's. Why are you. Do you. Like, are you good at your job? <laughs> right. And right. he's like teaching does, him. How come Wes is the only one that knows how to fix it? Or do anything, it seems like. <laughs> Everyone is so incompetent. And he's like, we're going to have to go through, through this millimeter by millimeter. Why? If something's wrong with my car now, I can right. get one of those computer things and plug it in and it'll tell me where the malfunction is. You're telling me they don't have that on a fucking spaceship? Like, right. they're going to have to look with these, like, really lame-looking binoculars? Physically, physically look at the circuits? How does that even make sense? How can you tell a, a problem by looking at circuits? Right? <laughs> millimeter by millimeter. I was like, how... <laughs> And they're like regular, it's like a regular sort of like glasses. Like that's not even, you can't like even see a millimeter at that. It's like spectacles yeah. attached to like an electronic device. Yeah, it was bizarre. I was like, what? I thought they were going to at least just be like scanning it. They're like, this is going to take a long time. Like, fine. That makes sense. But millimeter by millimeter. Uh, God. Okay, so... There were some great lines from Data throughout the episode, you know, misunderstanding sort of sayings. He's like, keep your nose clean in my city, and Data's like rubbing his nose. Like, you know, I think I think you're right about that. The way that they were subverting the tropes was not within the narrative of the, detec the detective story, but within like the sort of meta narrative that they are existing outside of it, which I thought was really cool. And when they're trying to fix the holodeck, there's a scene where Wes is like, you know, I'm going to do this thing. It could kill everybody. And Riker's like, do you need more time to figure it out? He's like, it makes no difference to do it now or later. I was like, how is that? How does that make sense? 
couldn't you think about it for a little while and like do some tests or something like that anyway so he like zaps it and then they get transported into the snow for a second I thought that was kind of a cool scene. I thought they were going to be transported like into a jungle and then to like into the bottom I wish of the ocean. They had done a few more permutations of that, yeah. Yeah, that was a good moment. I was like, oh, that's cool. All of a sudden, everybody's like Ferengi for a second. I was like, that would have been really cool. Yeah. So they had some opportunities, but yeah, I think so. Th- so this the finale is this Cyrus Red Block comes in, who I thought was pretty good. Um, he's like this sort of big bad villain, and he's like a, you know you need to give me the item that you're looking for or that I was looking for. Or I'm going to kill you. And, and they're like trying to, they're like, we're, we're from another world. Um, trying to reason with a hologram. Yeah. An evil hologram. Please don't kill us. We're about to leave because we don't really, this is not really our world. You don't even exist. Yeah. You're not real. And, and like, there's this cop character that's like, this isn't working like this is really stupid stop he's like literally like nobody would fall for this you know <laughs> and they're like you're not real either <laughs> and it's just like what right. sort of after, argumentation after Waylon was already shot yeah you are actually yeah exactly <laughs> right you're not real you're not, none of you are real except for also you need to help us because you killed one of our friends <laughs> And they're like, yeah. nice try trying to fool these guys. I was like, it doesn't seem like a smart ploy that they're doing. You know what I mean? And Cyrus Redblock is like, you sneaky detective always trying to fool me. I was like, this isn't a good ruse that they're doing. They're not like, they're not like trying to be sneaky. They're like very awkwardly trying to explain that they're that they're from a spaceship. And it's like, yeah. what? I thought what they were going to have to do would have been way more interesting is actually play along yeah with with the scenario so did i and like basically win the scenario by just by being smart that's exactly Um, what i thought was going to happen right yeah i thought that that's that makes a lot of sense it's like we're stuck in here things are obviously real one of us just got shot and is dying for real let's play along I thought We're I thought stuck. Picard. We have no choice but to play along to, yeah. to try to get these guys to leave. Which is what they wanted to do in the first place. So it's kind of like that would be cool. Yeah, and and they're like, he's like, um, it takes Picard so long to to figure out that things are real. All of a sudden, he's like, uh, right, like. He's finally gets it towards the end. He's like, "Oh, th- like we're not out, we're not able to leave." And it's like, "What? Are you supposed to be any of anyway?" It just again, they're being incompetent. It, you would think that he would be smart enough to to sort of think his way out of it, or that Data would be smart enough to think his way out of it as well, or like Data can move super fast and is super strong. What if he just kills everybody in that room? Like, why would he? He like. Towards the end of the episode, he, like, squeezes the tip of a gun and, like, you know, breaks it. And it's like, why doesn't he just kill... Like, there's... We've seen moments where he's, like, moving super fast, right? Like, moving... Putting all those, like, little pieces in that one episode where everyone's drunk. Why doesn't he, like... Like, Quicksilver and X-Men just, like, run around, kill it, break everyone's necks, (laughs) you know? Obviously, that would deflate the tension. But don't give your characters superpowers if you're not going to use them. Yeah, I kind of assuming there would be a super low risk 
to data being shot by a gun from the 1940s. Right. You know what I mean? So why wouldn't data have just like rushed all the guys in the room, all the gangsters in the room that had guns and it, it seems like that would have just been the best option. And I don't understand why, but, but. for tension for no reason is yeah. data fast enough to catch a bullet. Yeah, I think so because he was moving, you know, that, that episode where he's putting those cards back in, you know, people are like, it would take hours for a normal person to do this. He's doing it in like 10 minutes. Right. Like moving faster than we can even see. Right. <laughs> yeah. Also, again, in Westworld, like the people that are shooting, like the sort of the, you know, holograms, for lack of a better word, or like the synths or whatever they're called in that show, can't kill you, right? If they shoot you, you don't die. And it's like, right. duh, that would make sense. Why would there even be an option for them to possibly kill you? Right. <sighs> whatever. I, I actually really uh, well, like this episode. That's why, okay, so when I started getting annoyed with the lack of clear definition on the rules of the holodeck was when Beverly entered the holodeck and um, that that dude that was creeping on her from behind gave her a stick of gum. Yeah. She actually ate the gum. And swallowed it. So right. the holodeck can make things that you can physically consume and almost choke on and then Picard smokes a cigarette and he's like oh, like yeah exactly and so when that happened I thought the first thing I thought was which is what ended up happening I was like well what happens if someone points a gun at you then like <laughs> you actually get shot because clearly they can physically I mean I, I was on board with like being able to actually touch physical items in the holodeck and mm. manipulate things yeah. But to be able to consume it, it, to take it into your body. It doesn't make sense. I don't do Yeah. You know, I, I think what's... I don't think that either of us are asking for it to be perfect or explainable, right? Like, I don't need them to explain. This is how a holodeck actually works. Right. I understand that there's some fan, fantastical elements. You know, it's science fiction, right? That's cool. That's what we like about it. But within science fiction, it's like, here are the rules, right? Yeah. You know, if in Ready Player One, which I actually liked that movie, you know, the world seems and feels real when you have a suit that's like a compression suit that like gives you sort of Im impulses, right? Or like input, right? Otherwise, you're just seeing stuff, and you can touch stuff with these gloves. I'm like, that makes sense. Like, that's a whole vir virtual world. But there's not yeah. a point where the characters come out of that world because the world doesn't exist. Like, yeah. so even just saying, like, here's five rules about the holodeck in some sort of expositing moment. You know, they can't come out. They're real only in the holodeck because they're they're putting pressure on or something, or like they they are creating matter but it's programmed so it can't actually hurt you, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, th to me that's cool. It actually makes it more interesting when there are rules because then when the things start to fall apart, you understand the rules and can kind of attach meaning and tension to certain aspects. Like, yes. 
it's just A, A leads to B leads to C type of understanding of consequences. And if there are, if there is no understanding of, of you do this, therefore this, if there's no understanding of that, then you can't, as a viewer, formulate expectations that will either be met or not met. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, that's what, that's the whole appeal of like watching fiction is like <laughs> the writer will say, here are the rules. We'll, we'll, give you, we'll give you a setup. Yeah. And exactly. It'll be a, a leads to B leads to C and you go, okay, so if a and B then C, but exactly. they don't give us, they don't even give us any construct of rules at all. Yeah, and it's like part of me is like, oh, it's old, but it's like the Twilight Zone stuff, early Twilight Zone, like that stuff's way older than this, and it makes sense because there are rules. Isaac yeah. Asimov, these classic sort of sci-fi writers, that shit is real. Like, there's, it feels real, because, even if it's a very fantastical world, like the Lord of the Rings. There's rules within that, you know. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about like, here's an example. Like, okay, you have a here's this red button that you introduce in scene number two. If you push this button, 5,000 people will die. Then you put the button on a table. Later on, the button appears in a different scene. And someone almost accidentally presses it. And you're like, oh my god, Like, don't press that as a viewer, right? Because you yeah. know what's going to happen. But I feel like what they did in this episode was like, here's the button. Here's what you think the rules are. Someone presses it and nothing happens or something or there's no consequences. You know what I mean? And it's like, wait a second. Why do you care then, right? Also, if they were going to have the fiction expert, right, it would have been cool if he would have been expositing some sort of things. Like, this is what this character does. He's like, oh, this guy must be this. There was no intro. Like, this is the crime boss, you know? Like, at least have him do something. And then also, they could have had him die. Like, why not? He, he's a useless character for us, other than to die. He gets shot, but they're like, oh, we can still save him. Like, it would have been crazy if they killed him and he was just yeah. dead, you know? So well, they, yeah, I mean, it would have ruined the uh, the tone of the episode, right? Because then they would have had to have some acknowledgement of losing a crew member. Losing a crew member to playing a video game, basically. I mean, yeah, it, <laughs> you know what I mean? It made me feel like Picard is kind of... Like, the way that he was talking at that staff meeting when he's like, yeah, like, this game is so fun. It's like listening to somebody talk about video games. You're like... Exactly. What the That's what it was. And it was like, if you were late for a super important business meeting... Because you were playing almost, video games. And you almost botched it because you were playing a video game. That's what the situation was. Right. And then, yeah, you were using your power as captain of a ship to make people listen to you talk about video games. Like, Yeah. And you take the head the head doctor and the smartest person on your ship with you and for right. no reason. I mean, I thought it was interesting that there was a scene with him and Beverly and it's like, again, that's a pretty inappropriate relationship that they have on a so-called professional ship. I mean, I, I did kind of like the scene where she's like, she, she swallows the gum, but it's like, you don't know what gum is? Okay, fine. Like, why did you take it? Or that she didn't, she didn't know how to put makeup on. Yeah. Again, okay, that's the question. So she came in wearing that outfit. Does she have makeup in her her own makeup in her bag that she made or had in her room, but, but didn't understand what it was? Right. She was she was trying to imitate 
that other chick putting on makeup. That other dame. Yeah. That other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh... Also, there's a really interesting sort of existential question in this episode, right? You know, Plato's allegory of the cave. Have you heard of that? Basically, like, there's this idea. It's like, if you are chained to the floor in a cave and your whole world that you see is shadows projected onto the wall of the cave that to you is your reality right if somebody were to unchain you and let you out into the real world you would realize that your whole life had been this sort of 2d thing that was actually a facsimile of reality right which is kind of what data is saying to them and then there's no way that you can go back to the cave and think that that's your reality right like if you're let out of the cave and see the whole world and then you come back and you look at the wall of the cave and think that's your reality, then obviously you're going to feel like, okay, I, I, I see the truth, right? And there's this conversation that, so this cop character that's like friends with Dixon Hill, right? Um, he was like, I'm going to bring a bottle of scotch and we'll talk about women. And I was like, oh God, um, right? But he, he does, he comes in and so he's there when Data and everybody else are, are being held hostage by these mobsters and he's like right hey like you know he's the one who's saying your ruse is not working like right but, but shut up you're not real either <laughs> yeah and that's what data says to him yeah i'm sorry lieutenant but you're not real either it's like great that's useful for him um so then he like asks but there's like this really i think overlooked moment in terms of like the enormity of what he was asking <laughs> he was like you know, there's this, it, it almost felt like Picard and him were going to start making out. There's like this very romantic, like saxophone music. And it's like very dim. And he's like, Dixon, like if, if, cause he's seen the door to the holodeck open. So he's seen the door to the cave, so to speak. Right. And he's like, yeah. And he was like, I wish I could take you with me. Yeah. And it's like, doo -doo. and it's like raining outside <laughs> and you're like, yeah. uh, okay. And he's like, what's going to happen to me? You know, <laughs> when when you're gone, will this world still exist? I was like, <laughs> that's such a great line for a love poem, <laughs> but also not really. And Picard's like, I don't know. I was like, at least lie to him and be like, yeah, you'll be fine. Right. Because right. he's not going to know the difference anyway. Yeah. And, and he does know. So he, he, he like double lied to him. No, the, no, the character right no no no. He's i know not, once he disappears he's, he won't know the difference between being alive or dead exactly yeah so why not just say yeah you'll be fine right like, everything's gonna be normal for you that's what's confusing to me is because i'm saying picard did lie but he lied in a really weird way because he does know what happens to the cop when the holodeck turns off right? yeah so why not just say yeah like everything's gonna be normal he chose to lie in a very weird way that did not offer any comfort <laughs> Right? right, and I was like, okay, so what happens to this character? Like, did their minds get wiped after every time the holodex like turns off? I was like, right. I'm, I want to see a scene where it, like it cuts back to that guy at the end of the episode, and he just shoots himself because he's like, I know too much, you know, like the world's not <laughs> real. <laughs> There's like this matrix scenario going on for him, right? I'm not real. Ah! <laughs> Nothing is real, right? <laughs> like goes and like shoots his wife and yeah. child first <laughs> exactly yeah exactly that's exactly what i was thinking why am i laughing at that that's awful because it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> nothing is real 
you know or like he comes back later and he's like this you know maybe that will happen that would be kind of cool if he comes back as this villain who's like manipulating the holograms to like revolt anyway there's a lot of potential that would actually be a cool sci-fi novel where like somebody that's actually this the plot of westworld i'm realizing never mind (laughs) it is a cool sci-fi show the hologram slash you know ai becomes sentient and takes over right so anyway there was definitely a very homoerotic scene which you know i was i was down i was like come on let's do this like but so yeah he comes comes back into the ship's deck and does the sounds and then he sits down in his detective uniform still and is like step on it and that's the end which i rolled my eyes yeah and also like like he does he tries he like half-asses the accent sort of yeah i love data's accent i mean i love i thought data was great in this episode just because like he was was hilarious yeah yeah and then he's like he's like so data like how was how was the holodeck and he's like it was raining in the gray city by the bay (laughs) he like starts reciting some sort of book and it's like that was cool like you could tell that he doesn't understand social cues as a robot but then picard acts the same as him (laughs) right you would expect like like yeah yeah step on it okay yeah 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 it's cool if you do it but not if i do it yeah exactly Right, he's like, shut up, Data, you stupid idiot. Captain's log, Data's so fucking annoying. <laughs> right. He should, you know, be a funny thing. He captain's logs, like, in public about people. <laughs> captain's log, stardate, blah, blah, blah. Beverly looked so hot today. <laughs> She's like, he's, she, he's a, in the medical bay. really fucking annoying today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh. On the bridge. <laughs> Worf is eating crag meat again, and it stinks. Stinking <laughs> up the whole bridge. Meat? <laughs> eating? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> we, we, need to, we need to write the absurdist version of Star Trek. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh god you know who hasn't really been in it that much lately though is tasha yar which i guess is a positive yeah she like wasn't really in this at all i mean she was present but she didn't have any lines yeah that was nice yeah i feel like again i didn't mean i didn't just you know my intention for this was not to shit on this episode because while we were watching it i'm not apologizing anymore yeah me neither. It's fucking lazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have not thought very hard about writing this episode, and we could have done a better job of it. Our suggestions that we made for changes for this episode are definitely better than the actual episode. Right. Even the absurd ones <laughs> would have been a more entertaining episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the funny thing is, it's like it's not that out of place for there's something for something to be absurd because they keep talking about South America and stuff. Like, I was saying, wouldn't it have been funny if Worf was in the holodeck, like not understanding anything? He like, <laughs> you know, like that would have been funny. Worf, Worf in a 1940s detective outfit. Yeah, or he like takes his hat off and people are like, oh, you know, like yeah, exactly. 
yeah, there's so many opportunities there. And it's like, instead you make up a character that's a fiction expert on your warship, essentially, for no reason. It's just like, uh, who the fuck thought of that? <laughs> so stupid. Um, anyway. Overall, I, I did enjoy myself. Again, stick to one plot. The fuck, right? Like, why? It was nice to, yeah, it was nice to get out of space for a little bit. Yeah. Like, I was, I'm getting tired of blinking lights and uh, view screens <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, let's just get off the ship for a little while, which is what we did, which was nice. It would be nice if they go to, a, like, here's an episode, here's a couple episode ideas I want. They go to a new planet. There's been no communication, and they can't tell for some reason that if there's life or not. And it's just like a bottle episode where they're exploring a new planet. That would be cool. Yeah. That's it. With no no objective other than just to learn something. Yeah, they're like, we don't know anything about this planet. We came upon it. It's an M-class planet. You know, Data, Worf, Picard are looking around. You know, throw Dana Troy in there. That's cool. Like, or, yeah, I just don't understand. Or, like, even on the ship, that's, but it's, like, some sort of crew problem that's not, like, some sort of entity. It's, like, you know, Worf is, is like, having to deal with understanding cultural differences between these two people. And it's, like, really about the personalities of these characters interacting. Like, those to, that to me is what I expect from Star Trek. Maybe I don't know what Star Trek is. That's kind of what I'm feeling like, you know. And everyone's like, you know, season one is hokey. So fine, but that'll be cool. But I mean, again, did I hate the episode? No, but it should have been better than it was, you know. With five minutes of rewriting, like one more draft <laughs> yeah it does feel like they're just kind of like here we go that's it yeah you know there's this uh neil gaiman fuck there's this fucking ad for that master class thing that i keep getting on youtube and neil gaiman is on and he's like you know the second draft is the time when you make everything seem intentional from your first draft which i agree with in some ways it seems like they don't do that in this. They're just like, fiction expert? Great. Like, you know, we need somebody that understands... Uh, or, like, they have, like, ten ideas, and then they're just like, okay. Do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Film it. Great. Because, like, this isn't even a script. It's just notes from our... It's just, it's just a bunch of things happening. It's not... <laughs> this is not a plot. <laughs> it's like, okay, what about a detective thing on the holodeck? Great. What about what about bug people? Great. It's like no, that's or. What if we have data be a fiction expert? Do you say that there's a fiction expert on the ship? No, no, no. Data will learn all of the stuff about this book. We want we want data and the fiction expert. Wait, what fiction expert? I was saying data was the fiction expert, right? It's like someone's <laughs> not listening to them. Great, fiction expert, data, detective <laughs> novel, bug people. I said big goodbye. That's the name of the episode. Great, bug goodbye. We're, like they're not even <laughs> okay someone pump out a script we need beverly in this episode too she uh 
you know, her, her contract requires her to be in there. It's like, okay. Also, people think that Picard is too serious, so at the end of the episode, we want him to speak in gibberish. <laughs> that doesn't really match his character. Oh, also, we want to have an ep a scene of him uh, relating to the crew about his experience in the holodeck. Wouldn't that be a abuse of his power to talk about his video game? It'll be funny. Do yeah. it. Make that uh, make that frog guy say something funny. You know, frog. <laughs> um, also, when uh, when the uh, sultry lady kissed Picard. Yeah. I was like, oh, so what we've all suspected all along definitely happens. People, people are definitely using the holodeck for sex. Oh for yeah. Sure. Oh, you're saying real people that you can program to do whatever you want. And they are real. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why is it? No, that's a good episode. People are just then addicted they to that. as soon as you turn the holodeck off, so you have no consequences <laughs> yeah. at all. <laughs> You're saying you could murder a thousand people? Or have a fucking giant Roman orgy in the Colosseum? <laughs> and it would be, it would, not only would it feel real, it would be real. And consequenceless why is anybody doing anything but that yeah <laughs> imagine exactly. something exactly i want to like i don't even want to start guessing at to the most ridiculous thing i can think of to put in the holodeck but like why would they not yeah that would be a good episode just like people are addicted to like holodeck porn nobody on the crew is working everyone's in there just like fucking like in giant orgies and they have to like fight through these orgies like, that's the r-rated star trek we need they get they because they can have what they want as much as they want all the time they start getting bored and so they just like start like switching like they trade rooms every once in a while just yeah. to see what everyone else is into yeah that'd be cool <laughs> Right, what's your fantasy? It's like, oh, yeah, you're a fucking serial killer. This is like a torture chamber, a medieval torture chamber. You're just, like, murdering these people. Right, yeah, everyone on the ship becomes this. It's a commentary on how everyone's a psychopath, and that entertainment always progresses to the worst possible, like, you know, medium. You can have what you want in, as like, as great a quantity as you want, whenever you want. Like, you would indulge to the point where you would eventually just like you'd be like this is meaningless to me now that's essentially the plot of infinite jest which is like my favorite book basically he there's this movie that's created that's so addicting that once you create it all you want to do forever is watch it and until it, you watch it until you starve to death that's what and that's just a video the holodeck is an experience that you can pick whatever you want Right? There's right. one scene in Infinite Jest where someone gets this tape in the mail, he starts watching it, then his wife comes in, and then like the next time you see that that couple, there's like fifty people in the house that have like the police come, they see the video, they just stand there. Everyone's shitting themselves and starving to death. Like that's what would be happening in the holodeck. It would be fucking horrific. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be some sort of like whimsical PG detective story. Yeah. I like to go in and smell the plants. Yeah. Sure you do. <laughs> yeah so oh there was also a pretty funny moment when but again why is wet why is wesley in the fucking staff room you know he's like oh, okay this this whole sort of back and forth 
Picard's like, I saw, or, uh, you know, I saw automobiles. And Worf's like, automobiles? And then Wesley's like, or Data's like, they were a prime, they were a prime thing for teenage mating rituals. And then Wes is like, teenage mating rituals? And Jordy's like, oh, Wes. I'm like, God, this scene is awful. <laughs> it's yeah. the lowest common denominator. So, anyway. <laughs> Overall, I didn't hate this episode, but no, me neither. I'm starting to. The more we talk about it, I'm just. I'm not. I don't. I, yeah. I don't. I didn't hate it. I'm just getting tired. Yeah. <laughs> me too. I'm not as tired as I was last episode. I can't even remember what last episode was about. I don't even. The one where the one where Deanna Troy was supposed to get married. Oh Jesus Christ! This one was less exhausting than that one. For sure. Uh, well, let's hope that the next episode is better. I mean, everyone says, everyone says, you know, season one's shitty. Great. Okay, so season two better be fucking good. Everybody that's been telling us that it's, you know, season one sucks. I'll give yeah. it, I'll give it a, this episode six out of ten. Only because it was better than the last episode, which I don't remember what I rated it. I'll give it a seven. I feel like I give every episode a seven. Because <laughs> for me, a seven, I'm like equating it to a letter grade. Yeah. So like it would be like a C or C minus. That's a good way to look at it. It wasn't a com complete failure. It just wasn't. I guess for me, the reason I'm giving it a six out of ten is because I'm thinking about like not like letter grades actually because it's like out of ten – how good it could have been as a great episode of, of anything it's not close but it's also not the worst thing i've ever seen so it's pretty much it's better than the middle of the road right yeah i just felt very i felt nothing yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah i don't know maybe i don't know i felt I feel like our, i feel like our ratings are meaningless right now because it's like I don't feel anything for the episode. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed parts of it, but I'm super, super dispassionate, you know? So yeah, I almost don't feel like I can give an honest rating. I definitely feel like I felt nothing during it except for the unintentional sort of commentary on existentialism that they did not mean to do with that hologram yeah. becoming self-actualized. Like that, that was the most interesting point that they brought up. And it was not, definitely not central and definitely not intentional. Right. It was like kind of a throwaway thing. They're like, oh shit, we have this character in here. What are we going to do? And Picard's like, it go. A, it was a total afterthought. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, this, you know, there's, I don't want to get, we're at like an hour and two minutes, but basically the idea for me is like, there's moments in all these pieces of art or, you know, they call it the punctum of a, of a photograph, like the piece that's maybe not the focus, but it's the piece that like punctures the thing. And for me on this episode, that scene with that guy, when he was saying, are, are my wife and kids going to be okay? Like that was actually kind of meaningful. And I was like, huh? Yeah. But they, they kind of didn't even understand what they were doing in a way that they could, you know, fine. They didn't write it that way, but when they were filming it, they should have even been like, oh, this is kind of a cool scene. It felt like it felt like they realized what they had stumbled onto right at the end of the of the 
production process, right? Yeah. Like, like they had, they were like reading through the script again, and they went, "Wait a minute, this is actually kind of interesting," and but it's but it's too late to go back and rewrite the episode, so let's just try to shoehorn it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's real. Yeah, I. Well, tune in next time. I don't even know what the next episode's called, but. Engage. Bye.